HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harland Herkel, here today with the photographic super duo, Peden and Monk, Taylor Peden, Jen Monk. Thank you for being here. Thank you. It's, Thanks it, for it's always fun to have other photographers on, you know, because that's my primary mode of income and my, my creative outlet, you know, to see how people collaborate even more so than anything and talk about collaborating i mean your your husband and wife team who have been shooting together for what seven eight years yeah going, eight yeah, years going on nine. Yeah. yeah relationship 10 yeah <laughs> some gray area yeah. and it was funny reading through your bios you both received pentax cameras at a similar formative age you know like preteen to you know puberty mm-hmm. um do you remember that camera what it felt like in your hands and some of your first subjects Taylor's is much more interesting than mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think my first was a, yeah. was a Nikon, not to be all technical. <laughs> um, but it was just some, you know, uh, uh, kind of sports camera, battery operated, all automatic. And um, it was great. Just had an on-camera flash, and I just took it out into the streets of New York and shooting my friends skateboarding. And it was great just to get pictures developed and see what you had done and show it to other people, friends and family. And get that reaction and that's just kind of what got me jazzed on photography oh, and the days of analog yeah. yeah how quickly it's changed yeah and it's like completely forgotten now yeah but i mean having that basis in in that kind of 
photography, um, it always feels so akin to food because it's a tactile thing. You, yes. you know, you're developing. Definitely. It's stop bath. All those, you know, real things are happening. You're getting your hands dirty, wet, and then hanging. There's time. Yeah, no, the smells, everything. Yeah. 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 Fixer, I can... They'll never forget that smell. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. I think we talk so much about senses, especially smell and taste here. Not that I hope you didn't taste any of the developers. But uh, those, those smells, that recall. I mean, yeah. do, you, do you remember being on set, and I'm using those air quotes, of some of those first shoots? You know, what, what other senses were used to actually photograph your subjects? Every sense. I don't know. I think... That's a very interesting question. <laughs> School was one, a, a different thing. We've actually never shot professionally with analog, um, just yeah. to go back to the film. Uh, but that's how we both learned, and, and we're so grateful that we were in a time when we could do that, and we could learn that way. And Taylor actually grew up just surrounded by all things photography. His father's a f- photographer, and... He, there was actually a black and white lab in his basement of his building growing mm-hmm. up. So he, he grew up completely surrounded by these things, which I find is inspiration every day because I grew up so differently without those, those guiding tools and without that, that firsthand knowledge of, of the business and photography in general. And <laughs> we've kind of been able to teach each other and, and grow together. And that's, that's what the collaborations become. Completely. I mean, growing up in New York, there there already was that movement of New York street photography. But Jen, what was there in Minnesota? There wasn't much. <laughs> there wasn't much. Uh, my high school had a black and white lab that was a storage room for the high school. So during, I think, my junior year, I started a photography club. And we found a teacher, an art teacher, who tried to teach us what he knew from just textbooks and, and we got to explore and and learn but I, I photographed plenty of flowers and strawberries and trees and <laughs> squirrels <laughs> uh, growing up which was which was fun you met in Pasadena what projects did you take to you, you know with you to that school were you still photographing flowers and were you still photographing street scenes yeah pretty pretty much i was definitely you know street photographer um <clears throat> i'd been assisting my dad and some other professional photographers at that point right before college so i think i thought i was going to be some victoria uh, secret swimsuit model photographer <laughs> on beaches in tahiti or i had a dream of being a professional car photographer so i came into school with this random book of street scenes and my brother's band and Kind of a whole mixed bag, but I'd kind of gotten into medium format at that point. So it, the book was, it looked really vibrant and beautiful. And I think people responded to that. And things just changed throughout the whole course of school. It was on the car path. And then we were shooting fashion together. Um, and when we left, kind of had a documentary um, portfolio on um, firemen here in the city and uh, taxi cab drivers. And then we had this fashion book, which was Pete and Plus Monk, uh, Pete and Monk, our brand today. So, yeah, it's it's been a whole mixed bag, different styles throughout the uh, entire time in school till present. Well, I mean, t- tell me about Paul Jasmine and how he saw the two of you greater as, as you know, a sum rather than separate. 
Nicole is one of the most amazing people I think we've ever we've ever gotten to interact with um, creatively, and he he was one of the first people who really told us what you guys are doing separately is really good, but when you get together and when you collaborate, it's it's leagues above what you're doing alone, and and that we rolled with. We just thought, hey, <laughs> we we have someone supporting us now yeah. we can work together like we want to do and, and it's it's great and we we did and just flourished from there well that work felt really special to us too it was it was different from what we were doing personally and i think the whole um, you know art school scene everything's a lot very individualistic like what you're doing and your project and and your goals and the fact that paul was so supportive and loved our work that we did together it really energized us to to see it further and see where it went. Well, tell me about that first collaborative project, uh, the streets of LA, <laughs> two models, a Godard film. Yes. Breathless as we call it. <laughs> um, yeah, we had just, we had just watched the movie. Jazzy was like, Oh, you gotta, you know, have you seen breathless or something? And we're like, no, we haven't seen that flick yet. And so we watched the movie. We absolutely loved it and kind of concepted this photo shoot around these two models that we really loved at the time. Um, Still love them today. Yes, yes. <laughs> One of them actually a chef, pastry chef. Yes. Um, yeah, and we just, you know, did the shoot from beginning to end. We went to the thrift stores and got the clothes, and we'd pick the models, and we went, ventured out into downtown L.A., which was scary coming from Pasadena. You know, L.A. is so big, and you go down there and exploring the, the tracks and where we were going to shoot, and just executing that vision, going out on that day with them, and and spending what the whole whole day doing that shoot um you know all black and white in the end and it just we told this amazing story that we we didn't know what we were going to get setting out but in the end we were just so happy with it and jazzy loved it and everyone we showed it to was like this is this is really good this may is i refer different. him as jazzy or is that a very oh, intimate oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> well um you know being a team too there are certain functions that only one of you can do at a time i assume mm-hmm. like holding a camera um even you know setting the shot styling and and you know then editing i mean how did you kind of delegate those roles yeah i mean in the beginning we both shot um you know we'd always have two cameras um but different different lenses different um, perspectives. Um, so either we'd be helping each other, I'd be holding a reflector while Jen was shooting, or vice versa, or we were shooting at the same time, but one of us was way down the street, you know, with a longer lens, or someone was right up in their face. So it was, you know, kind of a mixed, mixed bag again, um, how we approach things. I guess through poor planning, we've had to switch roles many times back and forth, um, which actually now I think is what what's working uh we're both able to kind of take on the director role or the assistant role or the technical role we're we're we pretty much figured all that out so we can we can kind of hand off when we need to take a break or we need to see the the project or the scene or the photograph from the outside sometimes we're able to do that as a team which is to me so yeah that's invaluable crucial kind of just switch the hats Mm -hmm. and then you Take know, a breather. You're tapping out for a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can evaluate, and someone else is in the fray. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I always try to hire assistants that are smarter and better than I am. Not to say that one of you is, but it's <laughs> nice to have that to fall back on. Yeah, you know, it's someone that you you entrust so much. And I mean, what I love about your work, there are many things, but is that 
ability to change perspective, but keep this you know line, keep this uh, continuity mm-hmm. of the overall arching vision mm-hmm. yeah. with whatever the shoot is. And you know, you're talking about having concepted breathless before really approaching it, but letting things happen and mm-hmm. capturing it as such. But three days at Stone Barns, you know, three days at Blue Hill. What were you there for, and how did that kind of change your perspective on photography and food? It started out as a personal project. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just finishing school, wanting to find some focus, very, very inspired by what we had read about uh, Dan Barber doing. Mm-hmm. And um, we decided we wanted to do a personal project there, so we were lucky enough to get in there. And I think at first, they kind of they, they let us do it. I don't mm-hmm. know how it all happened. Um, but they let us in. We got in, <laughs> and we we ended up photographing the whole thing, 360. The, the farm, Dan, we got to spend time with Dan. We got to spend time in our first professional kitchen ever. Yeah. It was insane. The first kitchen we've ever spent time in is Blue Hill at Stone Barns. We learned <laughs> so much in that first, those three days, and, and we created, you know, not really knowing what the end goal was going to be. We created a whole story mm-hmm. about stone barns that to this day i think i'm biased but i think the 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 images still stand up oh yeah, yeah. and i'm still very proud of that project no it's great... and it was a long time ago <laughs> that's true <laughs> i mean you talk about those takeaways things that you've learned from being in the kitchen uh, i know from having been a cook and a photographer in kitchens mm-hmm. number one is usually how to stay out of the way sure, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> number two is obviously the food the recipes and you don't just make beautiful images uh you learned so much from these chefs. So what was it that you took away from being at Blue Hill that you hadn't had in your life before? Uh, hadn't had in my life. Uh, let me think about that one. But one thing I did take away was that I needed to be closer to the land. I'd grown up, uh, you know, with gardens all my life and with my hands in the soil. And, and that's super crucial to who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. I need to be connected and, being there and, and photographing there and seeing, you know, how close Dan, you know, is with the geese that they raise and, and, and the farm and mm-hmm. the farmers. Um, I want to get my hands dirty, too. And, and yeah. I, you know, if it's as simple as growing herbs on our rooftop, it's it's as simple as that. It's mm-hmm. something I need. Yeah. And then, I mean, the seriousness of the kitchen, too. I mean, so much um, discipline. And, yeah. you know, just having that transition of being in school where you're kind of sheltered in a bubble and then being in the real world where you're freelance and you're on your own, seeing the kitchen operate um, as one and as a team to put out amazing dishes night after night um, with that quality that, that their diners expect. I think that was really inspiring just to see the whole machine, the whole Blue Hill, you know, up at Terrytown or having that trickle down to the city was just really really inspiring to see that and you know what's really ballsy about having approached blue hill it's it's you know (laughs) one you have a lot of pressure to make excellent work which undoubtedly you do but it's a personal project it's Mm -hmm. not an assignment and you know Mm -hmm. i know a lot of creatives that never really do personal projects for themselves how important is that for you as as you know artists and then how important is that for you to parlay that into work very important, very important. Um, you know, I think since that time, we've definitely, uh, after that project, moving back out to, or being out in L.A., um, and doing a lot of work out there, we've 
we've always tried to treat our assignment work, our commercial work, as a personal project. And we've been lucky enough that a lot of the people that hire us give us the freedom to... Um, push it a bit further. Yeah, push it a bit further. Do what we want. Um, so it's, sometimes it's hard to delineate what's commercial and work and what's personal because I think it all feels personal at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that you, if you can you know, make the time and, and it is extremely important as an artist, I think, to, to push it and, and make time for yourself. Mm-hmm. We're finding that more and more. The more and more we work, the more we need the personal, the the little projects that really get us going mm-hmm. and kind of get reinventing ourselves. Yeah, turning over that. I mean, that's been video for us, I'd say, for the past year or two is getting into that yeah. world and it's just completely different. And what does my uh, dad say? The uh, positive aspects of uh, anxiety. <laughs> so. I like that. I'm going to put that on my business card. Like I imbue and I, I emit all those positive aspects. Of anxiety, but like if, if you don't, I wouldn't call it fear, but if if you don't work with, you know, uh, the slightest bet of sense that you could fail or or you want it to be so, so perfect that you're willing to do anything to accomplish that, like, yes. what, what's the point in doing a project at all? Yeah. Like, it, it's got to be yeah. your best work every time. Completely. And Absolutely. from what I've seen... I expect that out of you every time. <laughs> I felt like, dude, does Jazzy ever say that to you guys? Does he shake his little finger? No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break, come back, talk about Bon Appetit, the grilling book, your time in Meadowood with Chef Chris Costow, and so much more. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. following program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. And welcome back to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. Here again with Peden Plus Monk. It's nice. I don't waste time having to say your first names. You just yeah. this conflated being. Um, <laughs> Quick. Bon Appetit. I think the most recent cover, January 2015, has this yeah. piece of toast. Yes. I mean, and how you guys transformed this piece of toast to this emblematic piece of toast that represents the year of Bon Appetit. Yes. It's true. How did it's you do that? Delicious toast. Uh, 
Hmm. How did we do that? <laughs> um. <laughs> we we are so grateful to work with the most amazing stylists, and that's you know Rebecca Jerkovich was incredible and loves toast and made that made that amazing toast that we got to photograph. Yes, we shot so. many toasts <laughs> over the course of a week week long shoot. Yeah, and, we, yeah, we shot the the whole well, which was a really great a rare thing for an editorial assignment to get, you know, five or six full days of mm-hmm. of shooting for one story. So that that was a biggie for us. It was great. Yeah, and this yeah. is studio work rather than kind of like on location. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you you have have you do both, which is kind of yeah. a, a so multi-talented. I mean, I know a lot of people that stick to an individual style and Mm-hmm. Get stuck in that, but you you're able to break out of this mode by shooting you know dishes, subjects, you know lifestyle, environmental. Um, again, on another cover, New York Times Magazine, Flynn McGarry, the 15 year old wonder chef, yes. and it, it's portraits, but it has the same sense of Peden and Monk. How, how do you approach shooting you know a dish versus a person? I think it all goes back to that project that we did in downtown LA, black and white. It's the storytelling. It's trying to capture a, a whole idea in, in not just one picture, but many pictures. And when you start out with that mindset, that you're bound to create more than just one feeling in one vibe in one image. It mm-hmm. Hopefully that one image will tell the whole story um, that you've been trying to capture. And yeah. With Flynn, I mean, we've we photographed him years ago in his bedroom when he had, you know, a kitchen set up, and he would he would flip his bed up at night, uh, or sorry, during the day, and he had a full on kitchen in his bedroom in the valley, and it was so we you know we we had known him from then, and we were so excited when we got to shoot him once again. Mm -hmm. And I think when it's whether it's a piece of toast or a person. Uh, just trying to treat it with you know the utmost respect, um, and so with that piece of toast, it was just it was beautiful, and just capturing it as it is, as cleanly as simply as possible, and just making it a hero. And then you know the same with Flynn, just you know being able to spend the whole day with him and pick his brain and start. We start the shot um, photo shoot at his uh, house, and he was grilling and, and preparing the dish that we photographed, and. Then we hopped in the cars and we we got lunch, we got tacos and and hung out and brought him back to our uh, loft in downtown before he had to go to work that night at the restaurant. Um, And that's when we took that portrait of him. So I think just, you know, we love to make our subjects feel comfortable. And uh, I think that that shows, hopefully that shows in the work. Well, I I mean, you you guys have shot a few books and that's much more of an investment than just, Mm -hmm. you know, a studio shoot or even a few days. Um, bon Appetit's grilling book, which is wonderful, but a new Napa cuisine with Christopher Costow. You know, Meadowood is this sprawling, magical place. But can you tell me how much time you devoted to this cookbook, and you know how you vetted through all the stunning dishes that he makes? It was maybe over a year, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, a little bit, maybe a year and a half, give or take. But the dream project it was. Yeah, it was when he an told amazing. us he wanted us to come back a few days a month. The whole year, we we said, are, "Are you kidding? This doesn't happen. This is dream. This is what we want to do. We want to capture the seasons. We want to see the whole mm-hmm. area. We want to meet everyone that you work with. We want to meet all the farmers. We want to 
we took portraits of every artisan that he works with, every farmer, every ceramicist, every artist, mm -hmm. and we got to spend time with them. We got to spend alone time. We got to learn everything about what they do, and I think that's that's why this book to us is is really truly um, straight from the heart. Yeah, no, this is definitely I think our our one of you know this is our new. Uh, breathless or air quotes yeah. <laughs> this is our new you know love project it was just an amazing opportunity and christopher giving us you know full access and the napa valley just is an amazing beautiful place and being able to explore it and take our time doing it um we have so many so many amazing pictures that you know the definitely some of the best made into the book but there's so many more and yeah it was just great great time i mean just being able to have that access alone is is, is a joy I, I was reading about a story you had at some restaurant and the chef like kicked you out i mean <laughs> there, there's open doors and then there's you know ones that you try not to get hidden yes. on the way out um and just being able to have that collaborative spirit with a chef on a mm -hmm. cookbook i mean that's a whole nother level absolutely yeah. yeah he and he gave it i mean he we we would spend hours talking about what what we thought, what we felt, what we dreamed about mm -hmm. that this could be. And I think we got to explore that with him hand in hand. And, um, you know, we decided early on that one place that really inspired us in the Valley was Richard Carter's land up in Pope Valley, which is one of the most amazing places I've ever been spiritually. Just what Richard has created is, mm -hmm. is a, it's amazing. So cool. Yeah. And we decided that shooting, shooting a lot of the dishes there would be, really inspiring like mm -hmm. like recording an album you know we needed to kind of get away from the restaurant we needed to really be in the valley and swat the flies and you know fight <laughs> the, the meat, bees. <laughs> meat bees and, and work you know we, we worked for those pictures believe me they had well, to bring yeah. all of the ingredients up there yeah. and <laughs> that's shout that's... out to uh, Pancho Vasquez uh, <laughs> bless his soul yeah he was a um, chef's uh, former sous chef and yeah, he made that a lot of that possible along with Chef. I mean, bringing everything out into a barn about, what, 45 minutes from the restaurant to, to photograph these dishes was definitely a feat. Um, yeah. But it was worth it. At yeah, the end, we all, we all left there every, time, every day we shot, and we just felt revived and, and inspired again. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't be ever become daunting. It was just an inspiration. Yeah. That was seeing all... I mean, the cover of the book, the... The um, the eagles or the hawks soaring in the air. I mean, that's just what you would see when you look up at the sky there. And yeah, I just you know want to go back, spend more time there. I mean, this is a project that you obviously seem to have a lot of control on. What happens when you don't have that? Um, you know, going to Memphis and documenting barbecue or seeing rum agricole in the Caribbean. What what is it like to assimilate yourself in somebody else's space? <laughs> We often call ourselves the Ghostbusters because <laughs> we sometimes feel like we're called in when when all things seem like they're going to fail and we have to figure out a way. You know, the restaurant's not open and you have to <laughs> capture the interior as if there's lots of people there, yet there's no one there. We don't have any food. There's no <laughs> food. Oh, <laughs> um, but we find a way. You, you know, you have to roll the punches. You can't get too stressed about it. We don't get too stressed about it. We just... Yeah, and, and and having the luxury of of time is yeah. a major asset. I mean, that Memphis trip, we was it was just Jen and I, and um, you know, there's no no clients around. We just had the the time to drive around and go to these places, and 
know, with Helen's, we went there in the morning, photographed for a couple hours, and didn't take as many shots in the morning because we just wanted to kind of get to know her and talk to her and have her be comfortable. And then we went off on our merry way and came back at the end of the day. And I think there was just a completely different vibe when we came back. And I think she'd opened up a little more. Her husband was there. Her, I think her daughter-in-law came, and it was just kind of a family moment. I think that's when we got some of the best shots kind of showed their true, I don't know. Yeah, just a beautiful way to, to work. And let's, let's talk about the takeaways in, in both aspects, both, you know, visually and food, because some of the greatest things that you actually learn on these shoots are how to cook better for yourselves or, you know, what to look for in, in, in food moving forwards. So what have you learned from, you know, barbecue in Memphis, from, you know, collaborating with Thai chefs and going to Mexico or, you know, California Persian cuisine? We've learned everything so much, and, yeah. and, and seemingly nothing at the same time, meaning we want to learn more and more and more. Yeah. Um, but we do, we're a classic Jen and Taylor move is to have a dinner party when we come back from <laughs> Mexico City or from Pock Pock and recreate the flavors and, and the drinks. And Yeah, we try and get as much knowledge as we can when we're there and you know, I think we probably we probably ask too many questions when we're yeah. when we're shooting with chefs. <laughs> I think <laughs> like okay, yeah. let's uh, you know, there's a photo shoot we have to do. I'm like, but wait, how much garlic is yeah. that, and uh, <laughs> how long are you uh, roasting that pork? I don't and, think our mortar and pestle had seen any any action until we went to Pock Pock, and now it's used on the regular. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, it's it's exciting. I mean, I was so lucky to have this job and to to go out and meet new people and experience new things and, and take that knowledge back home um, and bring it into our own life and, and share that with our friends and family. is I don't know, amazing dream. Well, well tell me what ingredients, what's on the menu, and um, when I'm going to get invited over. <laughs> <laughs> right now. Ooh. Let's see. Probably some a nice uh, stiff cocktail to start. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> some, some rum agricole or some good bourbon. Uh, we love to grill. So just getting a really nice piece of meat and just treating it really clean, simple, and salt, pepper, um, cooking it over wood. Let's see. What else? What else did we make? Good salad. We always... Yeah, salad is... That's my go-to. Jen's the queen of salad dressing. Yeah. <laughs> what are your go-to salad dressings? I don't know. I'm a vinegar girl. I like I like some punch in it. So it definitely... Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll, it may knock you over the head, but it, it will awaken your senses. I yeah, and putting... To play around with it. A... a big handful of shallots in the dressing and yeah yeah good greens and good greens is is key mm-hmm. what else are we doing we're making pastas from time to time or we'll try grilling pizzas on the uh on the big green egg which has been very interesting very oh, trying yeah <laughs> that's 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 an intense and lovely machine yeah. yes yes yeah lots you know attempt to do barbecue you know pulled pork um yeah just whatever we're feeling like moment. a challenge. Yeah. yeah. So I know you guys are by coastal LA, mm-hmm. New York. Um, I want to ask you about a few of your favorite restaurants on either and how they stack up against each other. Um, but on top of that, you know, which are the most visually alluring and which are the most non visually, but food alluring. Ooh. Well, maybe non visually learning would be sushi Saito in uh, silver Lake in a um, strip mall, uh, where it feels like some, 
like you'd walk in and you'd see Ryan Gosling in the corner, like a outtake from Drive or something. There's like this purple light in there, and it's not exactly you know the nicest <laughs> looking looking establishment, um, but um, amazing fish and the chef, and you do omakase and you sit at the bar and he's been there forever. He's been there for a long by time by himself, and yeah, yeah, by himself and just no rush, but yeah, amazing food, but not the most. Uh, visually appealing <laughs> let's see what else we're really big into korean in la we have a lot of korean friends and they bring us to some of the craziest places mm. um visually alluring to the eye Kinda, not to the camera yeah. <laughs> um but Wacky. some of the food that we eat in these korean restaurants we're still searching for Korean restaurants that stack up in New York. So anyone out there who uh, has any suggest- suggestions, we we need them because we're yes. spending more and more time in New York now, and we're losing our our Korean <laughs> Korean food. Um, yeah, visually appealing. What do you, what do you think? Hmm. Uh, anything, anything that Jody Williams does yeah, to us true. is is magic. Um, we're really inspired by her. We got to go to the Bouvet in Paris and photograph it for. Uh, bon Appetit, and we had three of amazing days with her, just getting to know her staff mm-hmm. and photographing the street of Paris, and it was incredible. Yeah, and we just tried her new restaurant here in the city, uh, Via Carota, and they did a really excellent job there, and food is delicious, and the space is great. and The vibe is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I know, they're taking over Grove Street. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it is important to eat with your eyes first, even though Sushi Saito has... This charm to <laughs> it. I yes. mean, having a restaurant as gorgeous as you know Jody's made just adds some kind of like flavor profile. That's that's. Oh yeah, absolutely, definitely. Excellent. Well, yeah. you know, I, again, I, I'm such a big fan of your work. <laughs> Looking so forward to seeing how you move, you know, into the future of food and. I kept on looking back at, you know, couples who were photographers together. There's a lot of contemporary, you know, couples, but one of my favorites were the Beechers. Uh, you know, like, what were their names? Bernard and Hilla. Right. And they photographed these very kind of, like, banal subjects. I mean, they, they were mainly architectural structures, um, water towers. But yes. they put it in this light that had just kind of been unseen. And it was very simple. It was very clean. It was very crisp. And... You guys are kind of doing that and reviving food in a way that, you know, it just has this ability to kind of, you know, be just exactly what it is. So That's the goal. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. And thank you for being on the food scene. All right. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you've been listening to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.